Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Caleb Wojcik. He's from Fizzle.co, and I first learned about Caleb because I follow a lot of online entrepreneurs, uh, business marketers, and whatnot, and he was making the rounds on a lot of the podcasts, and um, he's a very sort of understated fellow, but very, very smart, and um, he does a lot of video production for a lot of um, well-known online entrepreneurs. So recently, up here in Portland, Oregon, was the World Domination Summit, which was put on by Chris Gillibu, um, who writes the blog uh, Nonconformity and wrote the book um, $100 Startup, which is great, by the way, if you get a chance to read it. It's a short read, but it definitely inspiration. So the World Domination Summit was different than like say a blogger convention or internet marketer convention. It was designed to inspire um, everyone to make a change in the world. And, and a lot of them do that by, you know, through blogging or, or building businesses online in such a way that has a higher cause or has a higher calling. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing event. And I'm still coming out of the haze from it. So, you know, it went from like Thursday to Monday. And just imagine every night, you know, um, having amazingly intellectual conversations with so many bright and passionate people. Uh, it's just infectious. So I knew that Caleb was coming to town because he works uh, for Fizzle.co. And it's a team of uh, four guys. And they all live, you know, in different parts of the, uh, the country. Um, but they, they have a lot of uh, roots here in Portland, Oregon. So I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to meet him uh, and as well as the rest of the guys at Fizzle.co. Um, I had that opportunity. I had the opportunity to connect with them um, prior to this. So it was really a treat to have him on the podcast today. And since Film Trooper is all about trying to help the independent filmmaker learn about the online entrepreneur, online business marketing skills that these guys have been doing for a couple of years now. And a lot of these people that I follow are making a living. I mean, they, they're making quite a nice living. You know, uh, the income they make per month is astounding to, you know, some of the top bloggers. And I thought that that principle could be t- taught to independent filmmakers if we just sort of combine the two. So it's a real treat to have Caleb on the show today because He's going to give us the perspective of someone who's coming from sort of a business side of it, a blogger side of it, and who has interests and is applying his filmmaking skills uh, to that world and being very successful, as opposed to coming from the other side, which is my end of things, which is coming from, you know, film school to um, art school to, you know, working in industry as a, you know, somebody in production, and then trying to learn the business. So we're kind of meeting in the middle someplace. So without further ado, let's just get into it. This is Caleb Wojcik here on the Film Trooper Podcast. So um, I'm here with uh, Caleb Wojcik. Uh, sounds like logic, but just with a W, Wojcik, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so the really quick question, I, like I said, I've had an interview, I mean, an introduction prior to this for you I'll take care of, but can you just tell us what you do? Um, what do you do? So I work for a company called Fizzle, F-I-Z-Z-L-E, and what we do is we keep entrepreneurs from fizzling out and quitting whatever they're trying to build online. And we have a public blog and a public podcast, but the main part of our business is we make video training for them, and there's a private community that people are a part of. And that's 
that's about two years old and I've been doing that for about two years now. Um, and then on the side, I do my own, uh, DIYvideoguide.com is a site all about making better videos by or for yourself. Very cool. That was, con- that was concise. Very nice. So let me ask you, um, <laughs> well, we were both just at a conference and you like say it enough times that like it just becomes rote. It happens. I know. Honestly, I can't believe it's Friday already. I mean, I'm just still coming out of the haze of the World Domination Summit, so I don't know if you are the same way or... No, yeah, it takes me a couple of days to get back into things. I mean, the first day is like catch-up, so like email and like figuring out like all the things you need to do and like writing down like... So like when I'm at a conference, I like write down all the things that I am supposed to follow up with people or like I tell them I'll send something. So I try to get those done like within the first day and laundry and stuff. And then it's not till like the second full day I feel like I'm like back and ready to go. That's awesome. Like I, I got back and then it's like, you know, I was taken out of the rhythm of for my family because mm-hmm. it seems like every weekend we either have family or friends or some kind of event going on. My wife definitely loves the host. So I've always got to check with her what events going on. I never know. Like it, it comes around <laughs> the weekend and I'm so focused on my week that when it comes to the weekend, it's like, oh, we're going here or we have a wedding. We have this. We have that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what? Okay. <laughs> After so many years, you just kind of like just you know lob up and go yeah i i don't know what's going on tell me what's going on what are we doing <laughs> yeah we have a shared google calendar that's how nerdy we are well it's awesome it's probably my fault that we have that but it helps to know what's going on like during the weekend on weekends well that would have helped um we actually started one of those but i um we just kind of fell to the wayside and i forgot to check her calendar and i recently just actually got booked for this acting job and I said, yeah, I, I'm available on that date. And then all of a sudden, my wife's like, we got a wedding. What? <laughs> so <laughs> so I this is the first time I've ever done this, which is totally just screwed up on a scheduling thing. And mm-hmm. um, went back to my agent and said, I messed up pretty big time. Sorry. And so they actually just came back to me and said uh, they readjusted the dates so they can film. You know, oh, use that's me. cool. So I felt like so I'm now I have this extra pressure. So I show up at the set. It's like everybody knows that the date gets changed because of me. So I'm like, oh crap, I got I got to deliver now. So yeah, yeah, a lot but of pressure. Any, anyhow, so um, yeah, what's really fascinating to me is how did you um, come to Fizzle, um, working with uh, the guys at Fizzle? If you want to just give us a quick rundown of that. Yeah, so I worked a corporate job at uh, the Boeing company for three and a half years after college. And while I was there, I got my MBA and kind of dabbled in personal finance, blogging, and kind of stumbled upon people in the entrepreneurship space like Chris Gillibo and Tim Ferriss and people like that. And through that, that's how I heard of Pat Flynn at Smart Passive Income. And then Cobra Barr, who I work with at Fizzle, was a guest on that podcast and then I listened to that podcast episode with them. And then he opened up a course called Traffic School that he used to run. And I took that the first time it came out. Um, I was only like two months into blogging. Took that, was really committed to like just starting my blog and getting it off the ground and trying to figure out how to do the whole online business thing. And then, you know, fast forward five or six months, I met him at World Domination Summit the first time that happened. Couple months after that, he opened up a part-time job that I ended up taking while I was still at Boeing. And then after doing that for six weeks, I uh, left Boeing to work with Corbett full-time at was then Think Traffic. Then fast forward about mm, about a year or so, Chase Reeves came and designed redesigned Think Traffic, and then teamed up with us to do uh, Fizzle. And then we eventually merged everything into Fizzle. So 
it's been about three years now that I've been working with Corbett and the first year and change was working with him in like the think traffic and we launched expert enough, which was another site we had. And then the last two years has been mainly focused on building out fizzle. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit what it's like to sort of immerse yourself with this world of this network of, um, enthusiastic and successful people and sort of like how just spearheaded your, cause you look at it, what it's been like three, four years since like you made the first mm-hmm. effort and, mm-hmm. and where you guys are now, um, it's quite impressive, but just to sort of share for those who don't know, like, um, like it's in the independent film world. Um, there's a lot of independent filmmakers. I know each other cause they do maybe the film festival circuit. So they become, you know, bonded with some other filmmakers and everybody sort of knows each other in terms of different cities they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes the independent film world can get um, very jaded and very cynical. And I think, honestly, it's because of the reason that um, it's of an old paradigm of, you know, you go to the film schools there to, you know, kind of push you into an, in- an industry that has very few jobs, really. I have a friend that uh, works at one of the universities and they have all the state-of-the-art um, equipment, and they see all these students come in, and he kind of just quietly looked at me and said, you know, you know, on the side, I don't know where we're sending all these kids. Yeah. Like, there's maybe less than 1% that will ever get a chance to work with all this equipment, you know? And Because um, most everybody could just make something on their laptop or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And mm-hmm. so what happens is in the bubble of Hollywood, even the independent film world in terms of um, the – the news or the media that that kind of highlights what's going on with independent film, um, it's it almost feels like there's only a very few that get to play in that big playground. You know, it's like maybe less than one percent of everybody mm-hmm. that's trying to trying to get there. So it already creates this sort of scarcity mindset. And I would love to for you as an expert who's been doing this for a couple of years to sort of share that experience for the others that might be listening of what it's like to be in this whirlwind. I mean, I just got a taste of it. This, the, this past World Domination Summit was sort of my first event in terms of the blogosphere. Like, I've been following a lot of you guys for a while, on you know, but never have made the step to go and do something per, in, in person. So mm-hmm. it was definitely um, enough of a jolt and a good kick in the ass to, to, to get going. But if you can just elaborate a little bit more for that for us, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, I think the two worlds are a little similar because – you know, I think at least the filmmakers that I know, it's kind of a lonely existence to kind of be so committed to a project for multiple years and to be working on something so hard. And then, you know, when it's finally done, you know, you you can feel very lonely. And I think that being an online entrepreneur can be the same way if you don't build in, you know, network, networks of people that you know, whether that's going to conferences and stuff like we were just at, or it's, you know, having a mastermind group that you're meeting with consistently or joining an online community like we built at Fizzle or um, just using social media, stay connected that way or emailing people or commenting on people's blogs that you follow. You know, you have to be proactive about not just like being lonely. And there's another big piece of that, which is like the comparison game. And I'm sure this happens in the filmmaking world too of like, well, my my film is better than that guy's film. Like, Why does that have a million views? And mine is like 10. Like, you just end up comparing yourself to all these people and something that I've started to realize and something that I try to tell people with is like, you don't need to compare yourself to what other people are doing. It's great to look at what other people are doing and be inspired and, you know, to take, you know, t- t- maybe take something they did, like 
maybe a specific shot you liked or something in a film and you like incorporating your own thing or like a certain style for, you know, the way someone writes on their blog post or like whatever, like a podcasting format, something like that to be in, to be inspired by those people and to, you know, make your thing better by watching what they're doing, but not playing the comparison game of like how successful they are or how much money they're making or anything like that. It's really easy to get caught up that get caught up with like those metrics that really in the end of the day, don't really matter as much as, you know, how much, how much are you impacting people's lives? How much of a difference are you making? Like one, one could argue that, you know, transformers makes like billions of dollars or whatever, but like, is it changing people's lives? Maybe not. But like there are other films and stuff that do bring up important things and those things aren't as glamorous, you know, conflict in the Middle East or something like that. You never know like how important the thing you're working on is to certain people sometimes. So, you know, getting stuck in that comparison game and also remembering like to make it not as lonely of of like an adventure, like to bring other people along the way to encourage you and to, you know, just keep you from quitting is kind of the two ways that I see like the similarities to the filmmaking world. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I would have to say that the, the thing about the difference I, I see with between the uh, online entrepreneurs um, and the film, like independent filmmakers is, is that a lot of the art form over the, um, the effort of making an independent film sometimes. And I, and I, to be specific, this is like people like have like, cameras and they they're trying to do the traditional thing maybe raising some money um through crowdfunding also traditionally um it used to be a couple of years ago it was like a couple million dollars to because in the, an independent film or now it's gotten you know less and less expensive even raising twenty five fifty thousand dollars to school a big chunk of change to try to make a film to be it's really a sold to a distribution company and then the, the concept is like all your dreams come true you know so it's but the thing about it is you're creating something and then you're shoving it out to the world and crossing your fingers that hopefully um, the world, you know, is receptive to it. And that's why, you know, the, the hope is that the film festival circuit will dis- – you'll be discovered. So a lot of this concept of the, the traditional independent film world is make something, put it out there, cross your fingers that hope you get – you know, be discovered. The di- and, and it's a lot of um, – it can be very self-indulgent because you're not necessarily making it for anybody per se, even though they tell you to. Uh, a lot of people just have this creative need just to like make something and just hopefully it, it speaks to you know enough people. The difference with the online entrepreneurs or just in general, I love this concept of it's not about you. It's about the audience. So how best can you serve them? And mm-hmm. that kind of breeds more of like a positive um, reinforcement. And what would be great is for independent filmmakers to take that philosophy and and apply it to their film and allow their film to be sort of this calling card or this uh, beacon of rallying of how to um, what do you call it um, s- serve their audience. Mm-hmm. I can I can say you know for one thing that the film that I made that got uh, my film site uh, up and running, Film Trooper, I didn't even I didn't have an audience in mind. It was purely just a selfish sort of uh, art indulgence to see if I can make it. And I didn't think I could make it. Um, so it was made for, you know, $500 and with no crew. And we're going to touch upon that later with the stuff you do. Um, but in the lessons learned, 
laugh and was laughing about it. I was like, okay, I've got this thing, but I don't really think anybody, you know, I didn't make it for anybody. So I don't even know. And nobody really needs it. It's not solving a problem, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's like, well, how do I market it in such a way that it has some interest or some value? And so, um, that's the one thing when you go to film festivals, it's like the first question out of anybody's mouth at the Q and a is usually, Hey, what did you shoot it on? And how much did it cost? <laughs> Like, cause yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody cares about your film. They just want to know yeah. all the, all the how to. So I kind of jumped the gun and, and that's been my selling point has been, uh, I made a film, a feature film for $500, $500 with no crew. And I've been selling it online directly and, you know, um, and I just been pushing us, a, 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 a very, a small digital good, you know, for 99 cents, mm-hmm. five bucks or whatever it is, been able to make the money back. Um, my question to you is, when did you get the bug for video and filmmaking in in the line of work where you came from finance to blogging and, and, and now video? I mean, I always loved movies and TV, but movies more so. I used to spend my extra cash from caddying at golf courses on random DVDs, even if I hadn't seen them. Like, I bought Apocalypse Now just because, like, I knew that I need to have that movie. Like, in my collection, like, that's what I did when I was in, was it when I was in high school. And so... I took a film studies class when I was in high school and we watched old, old movies like 12 Angry Men and High Noon and, you know, like classic movies that Mm -hmm. my older teacher thought were like the top, you know, they're, they're still in like the top 100 movies or whatever. So I watched those and I like didn't really understand why they were so great at the time, but it was just like good education to watch them. Yeah. And I made like one or two little videos back then, um, on, you know, IMAX that were from, you know, like the year 1999 or 2000, whatever the first version of the IMAX was and like little handheld like camcorders and stuff. And then when I was in college, um, I worked at a, at the ABC affiliate of my college town. I worked to Michigan state. So the ABC affiliate in Lansing, Michigan, which was the sports directors like way of getting interns to get exposed to like sports media and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I took over his website and redesigned it and stuff, but I also helped run video cameras at sporting events like Michigan state basketball and hockey and like Detroit tigers and red wings and stuff. And like did stuff like on the either like on the court or like court side as well as like locker room stuff. And then, you know, saw how like the TV studio worked and like how to, you know, cut down the, like all the footage I shot into highlights and stuff with like tape reels and all the, uh, older equipment and stuff. But at the time, like to me, that was just like a job. Like I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm learning how the pros do it kind of thing. It was just like, it was just, it was just kind of a job. And I was just kind of at awe of like the fact that I was like doing something that was then like going on television. And like, I was meeting like these athletes that were like big names that got paid millions of dollars. Like I didn't really grasp how deep, um, and how cool of a job that was at the time. Oh, and wow. then, um, I mean like one or two, one or two, like just short, short films. I don't even think you can call them that. They're like weird, like DIY YouTube videos from like right when like YouTube started. And, um, like in one, I played Waldo from where's Waldo. And he'd like <laughs> fallen it. He like fell in with the wrong crowd. And, uh, like we had, we had, like, I took a, the only white long sleeve shirt I had and we bought red duct tape and like made like a red and white striped shirt. And I was wearing like a Santa hat. Like that, that was it. 
our budget was zero dollars for this right. I, I guess the tape probably was two bucks or something but you know i was just like making random videos and i remember just like staying in the computer lab there for like a really long time um just like editing it and i don't know it was like final cut five or six or something at the time that was out yeah. and but i didn't really ever think that i wanted to go into the industry go into like the movie making industry because I think basically because I just heard how hard it was. Like, I was like, oh, it's so hard. You have to, you know, you just bring coffee to people for five years. And, you know, like, yeah, I think like the fact that people talked about it like that just made me not want to do that. Like, I didn't want to have to go through the struggle. I wanted yeah. to have like a, a well-paying job right away. So I kind of, I took a, like a corporate job, like I said, for three or so years and didn't really dabble in video stuff really until... I started doing some video editing uh, for Corbett at Think Traffic, like just Skype interviews and stuff like that. And around the same time as that, we got our first DSLR camera because my wife wanted to get into photography. And that camera had video stuff in it. And then like I got an iPhone and that had video on it. And so I just kind of dove in and kind of figured out how to teach myself how to do all this stuff. And when I was at Boeing, I was trying to figure out what kind of my next move was going to be. And uh, I went to USC's film school to take like a tour to see if I wanted to go there. Oh. And, um, I did really like it, but having just finished my MBA, I couldn't imagine, you know, just starting all over again. I mean, I was only like, I was like 24 or 25. Like I, like starting over at 24 and 25 isn't that much, but <laughs> like quote starting over, I, I would have just yeah, picked yeah. up everything I still had and like moved on. But, and who knows what that would have led to or something, but I I was gravitating more towards like creating an online business and having the freedom and flexibility to travel a little bit more and to do uh, that kind of thing as opposed to doing filmmaking stuff. So then after that a little bit, I like got really into it and started making videos for Fizzle and like for some entrepreneurs like Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income and also doing some wedding videos, um, like videography style stuff of events and commercial for a restaurant and just like whatever I could get my hands on in the San Diego area. Yeah. And then, you know, six or seven months ago, I decided, well, like I'm not going to take any more client work on really and just start teaching all the things that I've learned. And that's why I started writing and talking about uh, how to make better videos by yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and that's all on uh, DIY video guy. Yes. Um, and what's great about it. You're just like, Hey, a lot of the people that I work with, um, in the entrepreneurial space, I think that's sort of your, that was initially your target audience. I mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. what I can gather. It was like, you'll be on your own, but I can help you. Here's some you know, tips and tricks and uh, training of how to best do it if you have a small crew or just by yourself. Yeah. Um, which is great. And do you have like an, a, have you ever set up an affiliate link for um, that program you put together on uh, DIY Video Guy? No, I hosted it on Gumroad, and they don't have uh, an yeah, affiliate program. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to talk to what's your name? Was it Jess? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're purposeful about it because they don't want it to become like a a ClickBank or another service where people are hawking products by other people and stuff. But um, but yeah, I mainly just, um, it's just through my own audience and through being on other people's podcasts and stuff like that, that I make sales to it. Oh, cool. Cool. It looks very, very sharp and, um, and totally inspirational. Cause I'm like, 
yeah, there you go. You're, you know, you're making, this is how you make videos and movies by yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of get on with it. And the biggest thing with video is like, it's so intimidating. There's so much to learn. Like I've been doing this for a few years now. Well, I guess over 10 years ago, I made like that, maybe not 10 years ago, almost 10 years <laughs> ago, I made that Where's Waldo video or something. But, um, and Did I haven't you... been doing video full time since then, but yeah. like it takes years to like get the hang of it. And I've watched thousands of movies and you know taken tons of courses online and gone to in-person workshops uh for for filmmakers that are on tour for putting those things on and so i've put a lot of time and effort and energy into getting better at video and so i know how hard it can be when you aren't video inclined and you don't you don't like watching tv and movies but you know you need to make videos because that's where your audience hangs out or something so i know that uh, it's super intimidating and that's why i want to kind of ease people into it and start them from ground zero and get them to where they want to be. Right. Right. Um, has a, has a program, the course that you've created, has it been successful in terms of what your measurements are? Yeah. Yeah. It launched. Well, I, I, I basically, what happened was I went to new media expo and I had a 75 minute workshop slot there, um, in the video track. And I was like 75 minutes. I don't know what I'm gonna talk about for that long. So <laughs> I honestly, I just said like, okay, if you walk into this room knowing nothing about video, you can go and like shoot your own videos by the end of this thing. So I spent tons of time prepping it. I had like over a hundred slides. We had tons of Q and a, and I just took what was in that presentation and all the feedback I got from it, added another 50% of stuff, you know, formatted it into the book format, shot interviews, shot uh, video tutorials on things that are a little more technical, like software and stuff like that. And like the Skype uh, tutorial that, uh, that I have free there on my sales page that you, you just mentioned before we started recording, yeah. but like I added those video things for the higher end packages, but like giving a presentation for free was the beginning of making that course. So if you, if there's something that you're presenting on or know a lot about, like, you know, take a weekend and turn it into an ebook and just kind of see what happens with it. But yeah, it's been successful, uh, for my measurements of how well it's been doing. Interesting. Um, how did you get the gig, um, get the opportunity at New Media Expo? Um, by, was it just by working on Think Traffic? or? Um, I mean, I had been doing some video stuff for a while, and I, you know, I submitted a regular talk to, to speak there and stuff, and um, I actually was trying to get on the podcasting track as well because I hadn't heard back about my talk, and so then a panel that I got accepted to for podcasting uh, that I was going to do with Chase got scheduled for the same time as my video thing. So it was just about like I had built up the clout and I'd worked with other people that were speakers like Pat and uh, Corbett had spoken at NMX when it was Blog World. And so I just kind of built up my network of people that I knew and had respect for so I could get recommendations from them to the people right. that ran the conference. Very cool. What a co- it, Has it been fun for you in the last few years? I mean, obviously leaving Boeing and just you you had a a need and an itch to like to leave and and to become you know a location basically independent mm-hmm. um which i'm assuming at what point did you and your wife decide like yeah we want to move to san diego from seattle right yeah that was pretty soon after we were ready to move she had lived there for about 6 years or so and was kind of sick of the rain being from southern california and um we once I started working with Corbett, we could kind of live anywhere. So we traveled for three months around the U.S. Um, just by car. And, oh, very cool. Yeah, and so she since she was from San Diego, 
we came back here around Christmas time after that road trip and decided to stay here. Awesome. And then did you already know Pat by then and uh, Amy Porterfield and everybody? Um, I had met Pat right towards the beginning of the road trip at a financial bloggers conference in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of one of the first stops on our road trip. And, um, since I was working with Corbett and he knew Corbett, it was an introduction to Pat fairly easily. And we got along well at that conference. And then, yeah, when I moved back to San Diego, uh, him and I started hanging out and our wives got to know each other and stuff like that. But I didn't know Amy Porterfield until more recently. I think it was at maybe two NMXs ago or something like that. But, um, the San Diego entrepreneurial community is growing. And so when someone moves to town, we kind of, it's like kind of an excuse for everyone else to get together and hang out with them. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's crazy that like watching it and I'm from San Diego and we moved mm-hmm. up to Portland about, you know, four years ago. So as I'm watching all this stuff uh, going on in San Diego or everybody's referring, you know, referencing it or have some videos of it. And I'm like, cause I can see, I think some of the stuff, um, like, was shot in San Diego in your home, the DIY video guy, because the way yeah. the architecture looks like, oh yeah, God, yeah. it totally looks like my brother's house. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Portland has a great community too. Like, I think it's like Portland and San Diego and Nashville and Austin and Denver's got one building too. It's like there's some really cool areas of entrepreneurship growing in the U.S. You know, outside of the typical like New York and San Francisco and L.A. Yeah, definitely, and it's uh, yeah, it's just amazing. So let me ask you something. So if, um, just get your advice. So mm-hmm. it's like somebody comes to you and says, look, so I, like I mentioned before, the, the world of independent filmmakers, there, a lot of them are coming from the, maybe the traditional film school where they're still learning like the skill sets of the, of if you're going to be um, a cinematographer, or you're going to be a sound person, you're going to be a designer, you're going to be a director, you're going to be a writer, you mm-hmm. know, and all these things are very compartmentalize and they're going and each one of them has their own way of like a road to success within this sort of industry that's in some ways imploding. I mean, that's pretty much what George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were saying Mm -hmm. that it's on the verge of imploding. So there's a lot of, I guess, worry or uncertainty of where the independent film um, world is going to go. And so what advice would you give somebody who's coming out of that, some film student, or even somebody who's been in, who's been doing film for a long time, scratching their head, like, oh my god, what are we going to do? The, the, the sort of the number of movies the studios are producing are less, and the the world of independent film in terms of the return on investment is getting harder and harder. Like it's just like it almost feels like a pipe dream to uh, to even make a living um, doing this type of thing. So yeah, ha- you know coming from a different angle, like I love it coming from that entrepreneurial space, those, and you've been watching a lot of people, um, make a, a very nice living and, and have so much freedom and, and give so much value to so many people. What type of advice would you give to somebody who's struggling that maybe on that, on that edge of being cynical and, and has that scarcity mindset of like, I don't know how I'm going to make it, um, uh, doing independent film. Well, I think you need to start taking control a little bit more and know that the more bosses you have, that's typically better. So like you were saying, you you made a film for $500 and you're selling it for 99 cents. Like you, you need a lot of bosses. You need a lot of people paying you to earn a living from it. And if you're in the film industry and you're working on a movie and the movie's done and you don't get hired again, like you had one boss that didn't decide to hire you back. And so the way to have more bosses is to you know, grow an audience, have something to say online, have something that you're teaching and sharing with people and 
you know, maybe showing behind the scenes on the kind of films that you're making and, you know, building up buzz, building up anticipation, building up a fan base around whatever it is you like to do. I mean, if you look at some independent filmmakers that do documentaries and stuff, like uh, the guy that made Gasland and Gasland 2, like those eventually get onto, you know, things like HBO and stuff just by him, you know, working hard enough sharing his experience along the way so that when the film comes out, like people know about it. It's not crickets. Basically, you know, that like the dates coming, you have anticipation, you show the behind the scenes stuff or look at like documentary journalists, like the people at vice, like they did just online video stories uh, pretty much on their own dime for a long time until Bill Maher picked them up. And now they have their own show on HBO. So and like, you don't have to expect that someone's just going to come along and find you and help you out. But by owning the audience online a little bit more and, you know, using things like social media, blogging, uh, and email lists, stuff like that to help grow your following. And by either showing behind the scenes stuff or doing things like teaching something specifically. So if you're a writer, teach people how to write, like do screenwriting and stuff. If you want to be like a Hollywood filmmaker, check out a site like film riot and those guys teach everything they know about making short films and stuff like that. And then they go and they make their own when they have funding to do so and have, you know, people that are willing to donate their time as well. So you have to, you have to think about how you can own the audience a little bit more and kind of build up some brand recognition for either you or whatever company you work for, whatever the name of your uh, production company is. Right, right. And for those, I mean, it's been a discussion or like a topic that's happening in the uh, independent film communities of like, you know, yeah, build your audience, build your audience. And then there's now there's like, there's all this question of like, well, how do you build your audience? Or mm-hmm. How do you build the right audience? You know, and, um, and just a, a plug for what you guys do. But, you know, the easiest way I, I recommend is just go to fizzle.co, not .com, but .co. So it's fizzle.co. But because then you guys can get all the answers in terms of like um, how to properly build your audience, and then you can figure out where your film fits into that. Because you guys do it so well, mm-hmm. and we uh, actually have a we have a free audience guide that would fit really well into this. Let me look it up real quick. I think it's fizzle.co slash audience dash guide, and there's a real de- detailed ebook there for free that Chase put together that walks through like. 12 people that are like we're friends with uh, how they built their audience, how to figure out what your audience is and like how to, how to build it online instead of just like thinking like I need a website or whatever. Like there's more specific stuff to do in that guide that will be helpful for people. Right. Right. So what, um, let me ask you, so what movies that like, if you had like one or give me like two movies that, doesn't have to be your favorite, but that had like an mm-hmm. impact on you. Like you could be like a little kid. It could be something as ridiculous as, you know, like Flight of the Navigator or something. You know, something that just like <laughs> changed your like perspective. You know what I'm talking about? Oh man, that is a ridiculous movie. Um <laughs> I would say that my two movies, um, like I went to this meetup at World Domination Summit and you had to put like a name badge on and then like say like something on your bucket list. And I put like make like direct a movie was on my bucket list list. And I was explaining to someone what kind of movie I'd want to make. And I wouldn't know exactly the story or the name of it or anything like that. Like I don't have that fleshed out, but I know that like the kind of movie, like the type of movie I'd want to make. And 
the two movies I would have as inspiration would be Memento because of how they tell the story backwards and how well that movie's done. And then Inception and how that movie plays with your sense of reality. And there's always like anticipation of what's going to happen in both of those movies. So like those are the kinds of movies I'd want to make. Like maybe genre. I don't even know if they're genre. It's kind of like current day science fiction in a way, but I don't know. So those would be my two movies. Right, right. I got you. So it's it's definitely like a thinking man's sci-fi. That's what yeah, you want. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Very nice, which makes sense. Um, you know, uh, getting a chance to know you a little bit, that would totally make sense. I don't, Just going back to your Waldo thing, I just thought I remembered. Do, <laughs> does Chase and Corbett know about this? <laughs> no. I don't know if they do. And honestly, I was like looking on YouTube. I think it's on some old YouTube account I might not have access to anymore, which is probably good. Oh, my God. Because I, I can see Chase is dying. <laughs> yeah. He'd probably put it in the show notes of our podcast if he saw it. Anyhow, so... Um, it was back when I had hair. <laughs> well, I, I can't... Uh, yeah. I can't thank you guys enough for... Um, just I just I was stoked to have an opportunity to see you guys so much over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was actually not necessarily planned. I knew you guys were going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't plan on you know, seeing you guys as much. So that was a, a treat for me. Um, cause what it is, is like, you guys make people, f- you're real enough. Everything is about real and it makes it feel accessible in terms of, um, making that leap to build your own online business. And I'm hoping other filmmakers listen to this. They get a chance to go to get an idea that, you know, building your online business and doing that type of thing is as creative as making a film. And, yeah. um, and it's okay to you know combine both you know both worlds because I think that's the only way, like you said, to take more ownership. You're going to be able to survive, um, you know, the next wave of thing, wave of things. Because I think so, you will see it. I think something's going to happen where some kid is going to make some little movie, like you said, by himself or with with no money, with like his iPhone seven or something like that, and sell his movie directly online for like ninety nine cents and make a million bucks. You know, mm-hmm. or some some kind of something like that's going to happen, where the entire industry is going to shift their focus and go, oh, that's how you do it. We're just gonna, we're going to do the same thing like uh, that that person did, because uh, historically that's what's happened, especially in the film independent film world. It's like as soon as somebody has like a a success or some sort of strange anomaly of a success, everybody then tries to copy right. that that model. And um, right, like how many bridesmaids knockoffs are there, or something like that? Now. Right, right. Yeah. So whatever, whatever hits, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know because I, like I said, I've had um, uh, the creative paranormal activity on or in Pelly, and we were able to go through like step by step, like what happened and, and sort of his whole emotional ride, and all these little things that you don't that you don't know when you read like a blog post about how that movie was made. Yeah, like how he sat for like months, like months. Where he had a deal and then he didn't have a deal, you know, where um, DreamWorks split up, where he had the movie with DreamWorks, then it split up, you know, like they they imploded, you know, and they 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 split between like I think Paramount and um, DreamWorks, and he had to sit there for like six months, mm-hmm. you know, and just not knowing. So it's like all these little things of like you know, so many things have to happen in place before we don't see it like this overnight success. I mean, that's what people read about, but the reality is, it's like it could be you know a year, two years of just like this constant emotional roller coaster 
before you have an opportunity where it breaks. Um, do you see that with the online entrepreneurial space too, or the people that that are uh, that you run into in terms of meetups or communities and things like that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's really easy to see like what someone else is doing and try to copy them and see if it works for you. And instead of just like you know building your own path and figuring out your own way, and there is something to be said about learning from others and stuff. But I think a lot of people just end up copying uh, people that are successful once they know they're successful instead of you know figuring out what their own thing is. Right, right. Now you guys, now the online entrepreneurial and uh, business marketing, uh, there's sort of this, I don't say a new thing, but it's such a, the, I've heard about it more and more, but talking about the importance of story. And when I was working at um, PlayStation, work, we were making games. I worked in the department where we made the movies for the games, but in that industry, we called it fluff because it wasn't as pertinent as the gameplay. Like gameplay mattered above all else in order to make a game successful. And so movies, the core of it is doesn't matter how fancy your effects are or how great your camera, you know, uh, quality looks. Mm-hmm. If the story sucks, then people know it and they're just they're disengaged. Now, somebody like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's talking about he's like he is a storyteller. He doesn't see himself as a marketer or any of that kind of stuff. And he sees himself as a storyteller, but using uh, micro content and all that type of thing to tell his story and seeing how and I'm listening to more and more marketers talk about you know learning how to tell a better story um, in your perspective um, what your thoughts are on that and then who do you think does the best job in terms of the online entrepreneurial space that tells a good that tells like the most engaging stories that you follow I think uh, James Clear is not he's not really in the entrepreneurship space he's more in like the habit creation and kind of fitness but i think that uh, the kind of stories he tells and the kind of research that he does for his stories uh always hooks me and i end up reading the whole post he does kind of a like a hook at the beginning of like starts to tell a story about a person and then he the next section is like research like backing up like and describing why someone would do that and then at the end is the lesson and so every one of his blog posts is kind of formatted that way. And so he does a really good job of like breaking through, um, getting you from like engaged in a story to learning a lesson and having something to take away from it. Um, some other people, let's see, Nathan Barry does a good job of explaining how like the case study kind of stuff that he teaches through like his design work and through his self-publishing stuff. He does a really good job of, you know, feeding in, either like customer stories or real world examples or like his personal life into things. Um, and then Pat Flynn and smart passive income always, you know, makes all of his stories very personal, um, both through, you know, just, just being himself and personal anecdotes about, um, random things in his life, like back to the future or, you know, having his family like involved and just like being on his social media accounts and stuff like that. So, you know, people fall in love with people online, not usually brands. So if you can find a way to weave your personal story and reasons for doing what you're doing online, you can, you can weave in the personal reasons why you're doing a documentary about, you know, cancer. It's because your, your mom had cancer or something like that. Like those kinds of personal interactions give more uh, personality to what you're doing online. Cause online can be a very stale, impersonal uh, medium Whereas video can be very, very personal. So if you can, you know, start putting yourself on camera, even if you're not an actor, if you're more of the director type, 
you know, that can be one way that people can connect with you a little bit more and you can help share your story story through that. And, you know, just use something simple like Vine or Instagram video, short little segments instead of having to feel like you need to turn your $10,000 camera towards yourself and make some videos, you know, just use whatever's in your pocket to, you know, give behind the scenes stuff of, of what you're working on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for you, we talked a little bit briefly, but you were beginning to um, get more into screenwriting, something on a personal level. Are you are you working on a project, like in a long-term thing, or just kind of dabbling? No, just kind of dabbling. I still feel like I'm building up my chops on uh, just like technique of filmmaking if I'm going to make something that's really, really good. Um, just learning everything I can about, you know, everything like lighting and storyboarding and framing and like going back to the basics and reading um you know classic filmmaking and screenwriting books and stuff like that and spending time watching behind the scenes stuff on things like dvds and blu-rays and stuff you know so i i'm still like building towards it like i'm still i still feel like i'm in the school phase of learning about film and stuff and that might lead towards directing movies and stuff but i don't i don't have uh some epic story idea Right, right. Yeah. It's, fun. it's funny when I was at Sony, you know, it was a tech company essentially, and uh, we had access to all this equipment, and we would always say like, "Oh, we got to make a movie. We got all this stuff. Let's make a movie." And it, you know, I, I realized I didn't have anything to say for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. Until um, you know, the shit hit the fan, and the the economy tanked, and and everything got rattled, and and then you had something to say, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I was wondering, it's funny because you're, you know, you're coming at from it from like, um, you know, business standpoint, you worked in finance, then you worked in blogging, now you're working online, you're working remotely. It's one of the, the more, more successful um, online training for uh, businesses and entrepreneurs with fizzle.co. And, but you have this um, creative need to just continue learning, learning more about the filmmaking process. I'm coming from the other end where I went to film school. You know, I, I worked my first half of my career as a professional uh, making movies for a big corporation and, and then dabbling with an independent field. And then I'm tr- I'm scrambling trying to learn all the on- online entrepreneur stuff mm-hmm. and come come the back end way. So it's it's kind of funny to see it. but um, And I'm also, I think, like 10 years uh, senior to you. So it's like um, we had this conversation at World Dom- Domination Summit with some um, other guys who are in their 40s. And we were talking about um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and how in that book, you read that book, I'm sure you have. Yeah. And that, you know, talks about like not only the 10,000 hours to become some sort of master at anything, but also maybe it depends on when you were born. And we kept looking around. We kept looking around going, we're looking at all all of you young 30-somethings and, you know, some late 20 somethings, very successful bloggers at this conference. And we're scratching our heads. Like, did we miss something? You know, like what happened? You know, like we're 40, something's off. And then we think it back, we go back and like, okay, wait, the internet wasn't around when we were in college. So the, the, the concept of blogging wasn't there. You know, like when you're, we didn't, we, we were young enough in our twenties. If we had a, a job, a corporate job or anything like that to, to work with in that. But by the time I was in my thirties, uh, especially when the uh, economy cra- uh, crashed, you know, I had a mortgage and a family and stuff like that. So you you scramble into like the last vestitude of the industrial revolution of like you just get a job, 
Yeah. You, know, you don't even think yeah. about any, like this lofty dream of anything. You just have to figure out a way to survive and get a job. Um, I can see like somebody younger coming out of college and going, Hey, there's no jobs. I'm just going to, but I'm, just, I'm doing really well online because I'm already used to that working in high school and doing it in high school and college. Like I'm just, that was my world. And, and people in my age talking about these types of things of like, you know, the four hour work week or whatever it might be, lifestyle, lifestyle design. It, it was much a natural segue where some of us in our forties were kind of like, we had to stop and go, wait, 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 what's going on behind us? You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So we feel like this weird catch up, but it was also interesting because um, it was very th- cathartic this past weekend because it was very um, a chance to not feel alone. Like I didn't realize how many other 40 somethings I bumped into that felt the same way. And I know that Gary Vanderchuk says, Hey, don't ever discount some kid coming up. Who's like 16, you know, 21, you know, cause they can, they'll take something with, you know, they're in a whole nother level of growing up um, with all this technology and this, and this mindset of uh, at a very, very young age. So I always keep that in the back of my mind as I'm trying to compete or trying to be part of this world. But, um, Anyway, this is mostly just a comment in terms of watching you guys and being inspired. But it's 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 very interesting because it's like I am completely enthralled and inspired by so many young people. You know, mm-hmm. you know that uh, it gets me going. But um, I'm hoping that I can take whatever wisdom I have from my first half of my professional career in the in the film industry, uh, in the video game industry, and then apply that to the online world as best I can. Yeah, and I think that part of it is age but like then you think like okay like i think okay what if i was born a little earlier because you have like the twitters and the facebooks and all that stuff that was built by people that are like a few years older than me so like Mm. they were let's see like they were in college right after 9 11 when like the the texting like completely was gone like you could not get money so you had to like just scrap and build something yourself but there was already kind of like the need for social media tools and there was like friendster and napster and like all that kind of stuff so it's kind of crazy just like the different times you're born and then it's like well like look at my niece and nephew like they've been using iphones and ipads and say we're like three and like we didn't get our first computer until i was like eight or something <laughs> so it's like you know, like you just never know like the timing of when you're born versus when things are like the best for, for that thing. It's like, it's like the whole thing. I think it's an outliers about, uh, how like 67% of professional hockey players are born in like January to like March oh, yeah. or something like that. Because like the first chapter. Yeah. yeah Cause when you're like, <laughs> I don't know, eight or 10 or something like that, you're bigger by like six to nine months on average uh yeah. and that's the cut based on hockey and then that just doubles like and triples and you know magnifies until you get to like the professional level because you were good when you were eight and so but then there's the you know there's the 30 or 40 percent or whatever that are born whenever and they just worked hard and you know had talent and you know made it made it work to even though they were a little like squall like smaller or scrappier and had to get by <laughs> you know so it all really depends it's funny also there's that saying, you know, like um, there's a Jim Rohn, uh, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Mm-hmm. You hear that quite often. And I had to look at my situation. It says I work at home for the last few years um, and 
I'm with my daughter and her friends all the time, so I'm pretty pretty much a 12 year old girl. That's where where I'm at. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, damn it, I gotta like get out there and network as much as possible with some you know some other people to, yeah, to get inspired yeah. to sort of break that barrier. But um, I'm very in tune with what what's going on with the the the, the tweens. That's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, we're we can wrap this up here. We're getting near the hour, but. I can't thank you enough. I was really just wanted to ask you, I guess one last thing is um, if you had like one, I guess you already did it though, but like just any closing advice for anyone, like a filmmaker just looking to step into the world of trying to build something online, a business to support their filmmaking career. Do you have like any last bit of like, you know, nickel change advice? Yeah. So uh, this is something I'm taking from Jason Freed, who is co-founder of 37 Signals, uh, which is a software company that uh, created Basecamp. But he talks about, and I think it's in Rework, he talks about how there should be um, just this sharing of knowledge. So whatever you're working on, be willing to share like how you do it and why you're doing it and behind the scenes on it. And he uses the example of chefs for this. So, you know, if you're if you're thinking of like, who are some famous chefs? You're like, oh, okay, there's like Emerald and there's like Rachel Ray and like, there's all those people. And it's because like they started to share what they knew. Like if they just stayed in their home or stayed in their restaurant and didn't, you know, try to write cookbooks or be on TV or like share the things that they knew about the craft, like they wouldn't be popular chefs. Um, I'm, that's not to say that every successful filmmaker or director like shares everything they know. Like a lot of them are very hidden about what they know. But I think in this day and age, if you don't have a platform and you're not successful and you aren't getting funding for your films or something like that, and you want to grow an audience that you can point to and say, hey, I have all these people that listen to me and will help with the promotion of whatever it is you're making, then you know, start taking ownership of growing that audience by sharing the things you know or or entertaining them or inspiring them by the stories that you know and can make. So, you know, really focus on how can you be like, you know, a popular chef that shares all their recipes in whatever facet of filmmaking or whatever you're doing is. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, of Uh, course. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And I hope to, you know, inspire some uh, um, new audience that may not know who you were or what, who fizzle fizzle.co is yeah. or um diy video guy you know because i now i can point them like hey you know it's, it's you know not really big you know big deal but a lot of people are making videos and movies by themselves and there's a way to do that and you know, check out what uh, caleb has done um and then again i'll probably you know you know follow up with you guys later just uh in the fizzle community um as i just b- believe it or not just sort of joined um, because of just stuff that was happening. I was like, okay, finally I can sit down after WDS mm-hmm. and now I'm, now I'm in and now I have to devour everything that you guys have. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> stuff in there. We've been working hard. I'm, I feel like I have a video editing program open almost every day. <laughs> you get, it's fun when you get in the rhythm. Like yeah, sometimes you yeah. get in a certain place where it's, it's fun sometimes to have that type of work where you can listen to a podcast or, or tune out because it's not say it's automated, but you don't have to do so much mental thinking. Like it, it, it's, you know, it's still a, a skill set, but it, it doesn't, it tax your brain as much. I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. Well, love to, I'll love, can't wait to see the more work that you guys do and, um, and follow up. Um, actually I got to follow up with chase. I think you wanted to talk to me about, um, 
editing some of your guys's podcast so oh interesting i had to follow up with that cool <laughs> interesting like oh he's he's pawning off some work okay. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like his that's like what he does a lot so yeah it's curious <laughs> i'll let you know how that goes <laughs> yeah all right caleb enjoy san diego um i hope to be down there uh soon uh see my friends and family and if, when i do i'll i'll see if you're in town and um we'll go from there awesome absolutely i'm about to go surfing i I didn't like say that just to make you jealous, but that's actually what I'm doing. I started surfing like two weeks ago. I've lived here like two and a half years and I'm finally picking it up. So, Oh, tell me more. Right, which beach are you going to? Ponto? Um, that's actually near me, but we're going to, um, well, I'm blanking at it now. Is south of that? Yeah. Um, like D street. Oh wow. Like north, okay. north of moonlight and Encinitas. Like, so like D street. Uh, are you are you riding a longboard, shortboard? Uh, I got a nine foot foam board, so okay. I'm like still learning, trying to figure it out. Well, yeah, D Street uh gets kind of tricky because the um it breaks closer on the shore, so it's not like a long ride. But if you yeah, if you definitely go like moonlight, like north. Oh, of I'm D actually no D Street. I'm wrong. D Street is moonlight. I'm thinking um. Stone uh, steps or something? no, like Grandview, like oh, north more, yeah, like yeah, in Lucadia. Yeah, yeah is okay, where we okay, usually okay. go right now because it's oh kind of like God. straight shot to the ocean that that's kind of the quickest one yeah you'll what do you take like la costa avenue all yeah, the way down yeah. and get, take a left yeah, yeah grandview is great because yeah. you have that's much more of a slower roller uh, yeah and that's what i'm kind of looking for <laughs> still <laughs> still learning so it's fun so far what's great about san diego in that in terms of surfing that way is that if it's too crowded in one spot just walk down i just like, I, that's what way. i do i just keep walking until there's like one person and then like I oh just, yeah yeah, because <laughs> there's 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 little peaks that pop up left and right all the time, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, oh my god, I'm homesick. But I'm go- <laughs> I'm going wake I'm going wake surfing, river surfing tomorrow. Oh, that's we? fun. So it's like you know, the little my my buddy's got a great boat that po- pops up, you know, you know, knee knee high. Make sometimes. your own waves, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 a leg burn because it's like you have you can't fall like you have to like constantly keep pumping to keep yeah, the yeah. boat. There's no rope, so you're just you're just pumping left and right, and it's like a massive workout on your your legs, and you know you're done after like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, there's no, <laughs> you're done. So, but yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the the rest of the afternoon. It's Friday, and I will uh, uh, follow up with you guys later, and I'll let you know when this is all posted and all cleaned up. Awesome. Sounds good. And that concludes my interview with Caleb Wojcik of Fizzle.co. And for anyone interested in starting their own business or starting their own blog and trying to figure out how to monetize it, I would recommend going to Fizzle.co and get all the useful training that uh, those guys put on over there. It's, a, it's quite an amazing resource. I just joined not too long ago, so there's a lot of stuff that i got to catch up on, but it's, um, it's quite impressive. Anyhow, as always... If you want to learn more about Film Trooper, um, I offer you a free gift at freegearguide.com. This is an equipment list of everything that I use to make a feature film for $500 with no crew. And that, again, is at freegearguide.com. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and I will see you next time here at the Film Trooper podcast. Did I even say that correctly? Film Trooper? Film Trooper. It's early in the morning, and I'm slurring my speech. It has nothing to do with the morning. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.